Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, you all, and welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. My guests today, uh, this uh, morning, come from two different companies, which I think is the first time we have uh, guests from two different companies. However, they share one thing in common. Both work with many entrepreneurs. One is a business coach trying to help entrepreneurs grow and improve. And our second guest deals with a financial mess entrepreneurs usually create. And he's nodding with his head, so I guess I, I was right on this assumption. Uh, my guests today are Oliver Bisner, founder and owner of Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, and Kurt Locke, partner, tax at Deloitte LLP in Calgary. Good morning, Oliver. Good morning, David. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, David. Uh, thank you guys for being my guest this wonderful morning. Glad to be here. <laughs> and, um, you know, usually I go to your bios. Uh, your bios were interesting because interesting um, uh, it seems that you had no past. Your bios were like half a page, or not even half a page, a quarter of a page, and I had to start uh, guessing and, uh, you know, researching uh, where you come from, and we'll talk about it in a second. However, this morning I, when I was driving in, uh, they started talking again about the uh, uh, referendum they want to do for the Calgary, where the Calgary should bid for Olympic, and both of you as Calgarians, um, what's your opinion? Should we bid or shouldn't we bid? And before we go to the numbers guy, Oliver, I'll ask you. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting question because that's what the city's talking about right now. But I actually think that when we look back to the 88 Olympics, that's what put us on the map, so to speak, right? All of a sudden, people knew where Calgary was. I think it's good for business, and I think it's good for the city. So now the numbers guy, Kurt. So what's your opinion? <laughs> well, actually, I, I have to agree with Oliver because um, thinking back, I, I was quite young during the 88 Olympics, but it was at a very exciting time and it, and it did put uh, Canada and Calgary on the map. And I think uh, although it's extremely expensive, um, I think there's a lot of great things uh, from prosperity that come from enhancing our economy and uh, everything that we can undertake as a, as a collective city. So we have consensus here. We have three votes to, to uh, host uh, or to at least bid for or hosting the Olympics. Okay, perfect. Now that we are done with this, let's move and uh, talk about a little bit about where you come from, your career, and um, learn more about you on a personal level. And we'll go, you know, age before beauty. Is it okay, Kurt? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Oliver, you start. <laughs> so do I have the beauty of the age? <laughs> so, um, you know, my background, actually, I was uh, two years old when, we, when my parents immigrated from Germany into Montreal. And I grew up uh, right up until high school. And then I, at high school on, I, I've lived in Alberta from there on. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Ich spreche auch Deutsch. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so um, you always surprise me, David. There's always a surprise <laughs> I don't know about. And so, um, you know, when I look at growing up, you know, there's certain things that shape us growing up as kids. And the one that was mine was my dad was a hardworking, um, you know, his profession was a butcher. He was hardworking. He started his own little business, uh, you know, owning a delicatessen in Montreal. It was successful. We moved out here and he did it again and it failed. Mm -hmm. And when it failed, he was never the same again until he passed away. And so that kind of shapes you, right? You kind of look at your life and you go, 
you know, how can I help other people not go through that same thing? Hmm. Interesting. So, any memories from Montreal between year uh, two and 18? Absolutely. You know, you, you remember the forum? And then the Montreal Canadiens played at the forum. I mean, my dad took me to a hockey game and just loved it. And uh, when Montreal hosted, uh, again, hosted the Olympics, you know, going to the Olympic Stadium with them to watch uh, to watch a soccer game was just uh, fantastic. <laughs> so, some wonderful memories there. So, you're going to support the Mineshaft in uh, July in uh, <laughs> Moscow for the World Cup? <laughs> Are you a Mineshaft fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So, um, you graduate uh, high school, you, you move to Alberta. And graduate then... high school here in Alberta, here in California. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. and then what? Uh, from there, I went on to the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology. Uh, didn't, it was going to be an accountant. So um, <laughs> we have something in common there, and realize that. Uh, well, you failed. You don't have anything with common. With you. You're than, not an accountant. Other than I love numbers, so yeah. um, you know, and I love numbers at a high level. But uh, no, I, I originally it was going to be accounting, and I realized I didn't want to sit crunching numbers all day, and I wanted to be involved in, in more than just that in business. And so I I took a business administration, marketing diploma, and um, also at state also at SAIT, and uh, progressed uh, through the School of Hard Knocks, uh, going through different corporations. Okay, perfect. Good. Let's uh, kind of learn a little bit more about your uh, history before, until you got to where you are. Okay. Well, I was originally from Edmonton. I was born and raised there. Uh, my Oil, family, Oilers fan? Oilers fan, I won't hold yeah. that against you, Kurt. <laughs> Although I, I do own season tickets to the Flames, so <laughs> yeah, I play both sides, I guess. Um, so I was born and raised there, went to university at uh, the U of, a, U of a. And it was during that time that I kind of said I wanted to expand and move away. I wanted to see more than just Edmonton. Uh, so an opportunity presented itself to article in uh, Calgary for my CA designation. So I took it, moved here, um, got my accounting designation, and really my plan was to go off into business. But the longer I spent in the accounting firm, uh, the more interested I got because I got to work with a variety of businesses. Uh, I spent most, being in Calgary, most of my time in the EMP sector uh, and really saw everything from startup um, EMP companies, service companies, technology companies, uh, right up to working with um, multinational organizations and the longer I did it the more interested I got because I to Oliver's point I kind of got away from a lot of the numbers a lot of my time was being a business advisor although my specialization is tax um, I see a broad range of issues on a regular basis and I kind of think that I'm like a connector for entrepreneurs that I build these relationships with these organizations and as um, issues come up, there's certainly somebody in my organization that knows something about it if I don't. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really enjoyable to get to work with these management teams and owners of businesses to understand what uh, issues they're facing on a regular basis, even outside of tax. Um, going back a little bit, uh, any entrepreneurs in your family, like uh, Oliver just mentioned his dad being a butcher, an entrepreneur butcher, right? He owned his own butcher. Yes. Any entrepreneurs, siblings, parents? Yeah, so my... in. Uncles, my dad worked for uh, in the newspaper industry, uh, which was really interesting to kind of see a broad spectrum of things. But uh, my uncles, uh, they were involved in business, and actually one of them actually owned an accounting firm, and that was kind of also the direction that really kind of led me down the accounting path, um, because it was really interesting to hear and see what he got to see. But then my other uncles that ran their small businesses 
although it was incredibly difficult, like owning and running your own business is a tremendous amount of work, it was really fascinating for the other aspects because they got to drive their own destiny and that was something that kind of appealed to me. Um, and I think even being a partner in an accounting firm, although it's a large organization, it's very interesting because we get to be involved in so many different things and I would say the opportunities that even individually I have over the course of 20 years uh, or almost 20 years has uh, been astounding. Mm-hmm. Um- so you said you were too young when the uh, Calgary hosted the Olympics. Well, I was. Were really you young. also young when uh, the uh, Gretzky dynasty won all the cups? Well, I, oh, you I remember both, those? I remember absolutely everything about those. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that, but yes, it was a very exciting time, and I remember all of us. We would be sit glued to the TV watching uh, the Oilers dynasty and their cup wins. So that's, that's still kind of close to home. And then when you see the lights, <laughs> likes of Connor McDavid and the potential um, that comes from that organization, it's pretty exciting. Although this year has been a little bit disappointing, that's for sure. Like the last four years. Well, this year in particular. <laughs> so, Oliver, back to you. Uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, when you graduated from a business, business administration, you started uh, kind of going through the uh, school of hard knocks. So can you kind of elaborate about your kind of uh, – route to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely, uh, David. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, when I graduated, it was right at the time we went through that difficult recession in the mid-80s. And uh, What was the prime minister name, last name at that time? <laughs> I think it was similar to the name we have currently, right? Just a different generation. So, um, you know, I uh, I had been working part-time at Canadian Tire and, and uh, went back to Canadian Tire and, uh, you know, worked through... Uh, a number of different areas of that of that location that I was in, and and I just intuitively kind of knew how to fix things. You know, I'd ask a lot of questions, and and I knew, you know, if we change this, we tweak this, all of a sudden we're going to be profitable from there. You know, I progressed through uh, through a lot of retail uh, in, early in my career. So first half was uh, companies that uh, probably nobody remembers, but uh, Zellers, which is no longer around. Uh, in the early days, and then Shoppers Drug Mart, which of course is the largest drug chain in the country. And uh, from there, I moved into uh, Calgary Co-op, locally here in Calgary. I helped uh, help that organization. I was the first ex- external hire ever to be brought into an organ- into the Calgary Co-op organization. They always home-grew their mm-hmm. management, so to speak. And, um, you know, just learned a lot of different things about a lot of different industries and how to turn business around, how to fix, tweak, and adjust things, right? And then the second half was more on the manufacturing side. So I tell everybody, Energizer, the bunny was the boss. And uh, no, I don't fit in the bunny suit. I'm too tall. <laughs> just so you know, I get asked that all the time. And um, Energizer Canada. And then from there, I, I went on to, uh, you know, one of our darling companies here in Calgary, where I was the vice president of sales and marketing for Big Rock Brewery. And uh, always in situations where there was a mess to clean up, profitability to turn around, culture to fix. Loved it, right? I tell everybody I got paid corporately to practice so that I can do what I do now with entrepreneurs. So, um you started your own uh, business coaching and uh, mentoring when? Nine years ago now. Yeah, and I, I had left uh, I had left the brewery and uh, spent a lot of time traveling. I had two little kids who hardly knew my name at the time, so I wanted to do something a little bit more locally based. And uh, you didn't give them your business card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, um, you know, what I really what I did, uh, David, is I took a year off. I was tired, I was burnt out, and I wanted to see, okay, what is it I really want to do with all this experience? 
And so um, I, I went out and, and decided I'd buy a franchise. I bought a franchise to kind of accelerate, you know, how quickly I can get off the, off the launch path. When, when you make such a decision, was it something that kind of, uh, you know, ignited that uh, decision or was it a person that kind of, you know, influenced you? Yeah, it was uh, back to my dad. Right. As I said, that hit me pretty hard when he was, it, it destroyed him when he lost his second business. And, uh, and I just went, you know what, and you've seen the stats, I'm sure, you know, anywhere, depending on where we look, 75 to 90% of businesses fail in the first five years, right? That's not a good number for people who are investing all their life, their, their spending from, from, you know, their earnings for their whole life. They're putting in 80 hour weeks, forget about 40 hour work weeks, right? And then we watch them fail. And I just went, you know what, business isn't that complicated. You know, these people need help. And if we can just tweak and adjust things, it, it just helps them get off, off the ground much quicker. So that so, was yeah, the motivation for you. That was the motivation. You. I just didn't want people to end up having, you know, having their life savings and their lives destroyed by having their business fail. I see. Uh, Kurt, uh, you know, before we start talking about uh, entrepreneurship and, uh, and the frustration you guys have with, with entrepreneurs, um, a few more questions about the, uh, the past, the history. Um, so if I, you know, pick up a name of one of your teachers or one of your uh, childhood and uh, high school and university friends and ask, uh, what kind of Kurt, what kind of a person Kurt was, you know, at his youth, what will they say? Uh, I would think that mostly they would probably describe me as two things, probably very adventurous. I was always um, really intrigued by learning and, and exploring and experiencing as much as I can. And also, I would say um, very, and in that world, things not that I would normally associate with somebody just sitting at a desk, like I maybe called it uh, a weekend warrior. I, I loved riding dirt bikes, and I loved being on quads and at the lake and that sort of stuff. And then on the, the other side of that, I would say very social. Mm -hmm. I always really enjoyed being around people and... Um, hearing what they had to say. I, I think those are really the, the two drivers. I know it's a long time ago, but what will your friends say? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the, I, I was a little different than Kurt. I was more that person that, um, you know, I liked to, to, I loved science and anything to do with mechanical and um, did a lot of research that way. Back when we had to pull out encyclopedias, right? There was no internet. And, um, and you know, I felt free when I was on my bicycle. Right? When I when I was on my bike, I could go anywhere. I had the freedom. You know, this was when I was younger and, you know, couldn't get a car yet and driver's license. And so I would go exploring. To this day, I think my parents had no idea just how far I used to drive on highways <laughs> and sides of highways and, you know, just go explore the world, right? And so, uh, and I had a close-knit group of friends. I, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, Kurt said he was more social. I was more, you know, I've got those three, two, three friends that I'm really close with and we used to do things together. I see. Uh, any extra curriculum while you were at your youth, like uh, like a paper kind of route or anything, or you just enjoyed life? Um, enjoyed life. Worked hard. As soon, you know, I was that kid who went into walked into a Canadian Tire store when I was fifteen. I said I want a job. They said you're too young. Come back. And on my birthday, I walked in. I said I'm coming to work for you today. <laughs> and so no was never an answer that I, I I just didn't like when people said no to me. Right? You say no to me today, I'll prove you wrong. I see. <laughs> Kurt, any uh, during high school, uh, any kind of extracurriculum? Yeah, I, I 
from a, a work perspective, I started working when I was really young. I was 12, and uh, it was probably one of the most fun jobs I actually had was uh, going door to door to sell newspaper subscriptions. Yes. To sign people up for home delivery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I just really enjoyed that job. Um, but then outside of that, I was always very active in sports. Uh, between I was a competitive swimmer growing up. Uh, skiing was also a real big passion of mine, and, and same with baseball. Those those were big sports that kept me really busy. I see. You still uh, follow baseball? No, I don't actually. <laughs> yeah. David, for me, you know, you learn you learn work ethic when you're working for your dad and his delicatessen. He's paying you two dollars for the day. Yeah. Right. And you're putting in a full eight ten hour day. You know, and it wasn't all the fun jobs. <laughs> yeah. So. Exactly. I see. Well, you know. Um, We'll, we'll move uh, now, uh, or not now, after the commercial, we'll move into more into uh, the entrepreneurship world and, and, and how you guys uh, help or, uh, or what you suffer from entrepreneurs, uh, both from a tax perspective advisement, uh, advisory and from coaching advisory. Um, you know, we have to take our first commercial break. Uh, I encourage our listeners to open a new tab and go to www soniccoaching.com where you can learn more about the coaching and support and how Oliver and his team help entrepreneurs succeed. We will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, 
please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with my guests, Oliver Bisner, founder and owner of Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, and Kurt Locke, partner and um, leader of the text group at Deloitte LLP in Calgary. Um, as we said before we went to commercial, that now we're going to talk a little bit more about the entrepreneurship part of, of our life. And um, I, I, like, I like the name of your company. Um, I knew it as Sonic. But yesterday and the day before when we did our research, I saw the second word, which breakthrough. Um, so you started nine years ago, your company. Yes. And uh, the first thing to do is find clients. Absolutely. What, how did you find your first clients? How did you go after? Because that's a, the first question that every entrepreneur that starts a company has to ask himself or herself. How do I find my first clients? That's always the first question. It's always the, the most difficult question in the early days. Um, I, I did, you know, basically what I teach my clients is, you know, write down everybody you know, friends, family, who do you know, you know, what industries are they in? And then I started to reach out to those folks and I asked for help, right? So if I knew that somebody was working in a, in a company that I maybe wanted to get connected in, I'd say, you know what, Dave, if it was you, David, I'd say, David, I know you know so-and-so over at XYZ Company. And, you know, as you know, I've started my own, uh, you know, coaching consulting practice. And I'm wondering if you'd help me get an introduction. Now, if we know each other and we're friends, you're more than willing to do that, David. Right? You'll do an introduction for me. And that's that's how I did it. You know, grassroots, pounding the pavement, you know, probably working the phones harder than pounding the pavement. It's more efficient. And then I had coffees with people. And that's essentially how I started. My first client, you know, I actually broke my own rule. I said I didn't want to work with family. And, and it was... Uh, a cousin of my wife at the time, and uh, he desperately wanted my help. He said, look, I know you've got the experience in the background. And so I took him on as a client and helped him through a, a difficult time in his business. I see. Is he still your client? No. <laughs> that was nine years ago, David. I see. So you either fixed him or destroyed him. Uh, no, he's still around. <laughs> um, and and when you started, did you have a, a business plan or any plan, or you just said, uh, you know, I have this experience from working at uh, Coop and Canadian Tire and uh, the brewery, uh, I can do it. Yeah, so uh, the plan was I, I knew I had the experience and there wasn't a lot of things that I hadn't seen, you know, anything from HR to financials. I've seen it all, right? But what I didn't have was a step-by-step -step methodology I could take my clients through. And that's where, you know, I just, I, I looked around. There was, you know, three or four top franchises in the industry that I looked up. And uh, from there, I, I bought a franchise, not because I thought I really needed them to help me with the business piece, but more they had the methodology already laid out. They had modules created. They had things where I could walk in and say, okay, here, I, here's your challenge. Okay, I hear what you're talking about. So let's talk about how you're going to business develop. Let's talk about how people are going to find out about you, if that's your challenge. Not everybody has that same challenge. Kurt, I have a question for you, um, and you may not see it uh, with a new entrepreneur, but you may see it later. How many times you see um, an, a company, an entrepreneur that started a company without any plan, and they, <laughs> they come to you and they go, 
Okay, what do we do here in terms of financials and tax? Yeah, I, I suppose it, there's a, a spectrum of that. There's, uh, I think, generally speaking, most entrepreneurs that I've ever worked with, even from the, the poorest planned uh, venture, they had their idea. They had their path of where they wanted to head, but it was specific around what opportunity they were chasing, <clears throat> not around how am I going to make it work from financial accounting, from tax, from structuring, from finances, you know, like that seemed to be lower on the list where they were saying, I'm excited, I have a product or an idea that I want to market uh, and, and know how, and that's what they went after. The other stuff often came later, and then that's where other challenges come into play once you, when that's kind of like secondary thoughts versus having a well laid out plan. So, so when you see, um, when you get the kind of this file, and maybe it was in your junior life as an, as an accountant yeah. more than today, um, what is the advice you give uh, entrepreneurs at the beginning of their road or the beginning of their kind of, uh, uh, I would say, uh, journey uh, in terms of, how to look at the whole picture and not just, okay, I know I can do this, I'm good at sales, I can do this, I'm going for it. I, I think it's exactly what you just said. Know what you're good at and rely on the people around you that are good at the other stuff. Uh, I know there's a cost to that, but it doesn't have to be very expensive upfront, but it's money well spent to have somebody else kind of lay out that plan a little bit to kind of take it off your plate. It's play to your strengths uh, as an entrepreneur and rely on other people. I see. Back to you, Oliver. So yes. um, you start coaching people. Yes. And uh, what is the biggest challenge or some of the challenges that you find coaching entrepreneurs? Well, the challenge with coaching entrepreneurs is they have the next best, greatest idea every single week, right? And so... <laughs> And I'm sure you can relate. You're an entrepreneur yourself. And so keeping them focused, right? You know, and then they, they will take themselves to a point where they're doing everything in the organization in the early days, but then sometimes they get stuck. That becomes a habit or a pattern, right? And they really and they say, Well, nobody can do it better than me. Well, are you really sure? Because I can tell you I've got an I've got an assistant that does things way better than I could do some of that administrative stuff. Right. And so I'll you know I'll say to them, well, you know what, I know you're the technical expert here. But what if you found somebody and two or three somebodies because you're so you know you're at that size now that are as eighty percent as good as you are? Now you've got time to go focus on the important things. I see, and and um, how receptive are entrepreneurs to the to this advice? <laughs> Depends on the individual, David. So um, I've had some that are very receptive, and and because they're close to burnout, so they've had success in their business, and they feel now instead of them owning the business, they feel like the business owns them. Those are usually the most receptive ones, right? Because they know they need a change and they need some outside expertise to help them kind of see clearly. And then I've had the other ones who, you know, they want to keep doing things the same way. It's like, well, then why, why do you want to work with me? Yeah. If you don't want to change anything, you don't need me, right? It's no different than if you don't want a tax plan, why would you hire Deloitte, right? If you don't want to make any changes, you probably don't need any help. Yeah. Um, Kurt, um, when you, you you mentioned earlier when we had our first uh, kind of uh, session of the episode that you're more today on the advisory side and, and, and you deal with a few clients. So when you come in to a company and you said, we have the idea, yeah. 
but you work on the tax, on the financials. Do you look at the company from the perspective is like the whole picture of mission, vision, business plan, or, you know, where are your financials? Where is the tax that I can give you advice? Where is the financial advice I can give you? How do you guys look at the whole, at, at the company? Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple different um, ideas there that happen. When there's new tax legislation that comes out, we go back to our understanding of a lot of the organizations that we work with and we'll approach them and say, hey, notwithstanding this new tax legislation, we think that this is something that we can do specific in that regard. But then there's other things that we can do as, as like my firm at Deloitte, it is so vast in the services that we offer. <clears throat> as we build our relationships with our clients, um, as my role as a partner in that account is always to try to find ways to help them. Um, and it's not selling them on things, it's, it's making sure that we're objective and understanding and we're observing what are the challenges that they're facing. And then we're saying, hey, here's a service that we know that can help you. And, and maybe it's like productivity improvement, maybe it's uh, tax structuring, maybe it's um, you know uh, organizational behavior type of changes that they, they we could see that it changed the way that they operate. Um, and it's bringing it to their attention, it's having the dialogue. So we go from a holistic overview uh, right down to one very specific matter. Maybe there's a new court case that happens and we can go back in the EMP sector and say, hey, because of this court case, we think that you could uh, change the way you claim, say, a sales tax, uh, the way you're structured. Going back to the last question I asked Oliver, I'll ask you, how easy is it, in brackets, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, make entrepreneur change the way they do business? Yeah, that, that's a, <laughs> a difficult question sometimes. Uh, there, there are many instances where uh, the entrepreneurs are trying to take their business to the next level. And change is difficult, especially in a family-run organization. If it's a generational business, uh, really trying to get a, a family business to evolve with today's technology um, and really move the business forward and be competitive in the landscape today, uh, sometimes that can be difficult. Uh, that being said, there are entrepreneurs out there that their drive is to say, I need to get ahead. I need to do the step before my competitors do this. Uh, so what does that look like? Um, so really when I think about that, there, there's a broad spectrum of, of ranges. However, the difficult part comes is understanding what change needs to happen because they'll say, well, why can't I just do this? And you say, well, that's what we're trying to get to, but there's maybe four steps that have to happen before you can get to that sort of particular point. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's getting them to understand because entrepreneurs are so driven, they're just <laughs> make it happen, right? Sometimes it takes a little bit of time and effort. Really, Oliver? <laughs> they're absolutely driven. I've never heard that before, Kurt. <laughs> so, uh, Oliver, back to you, and we're playing, playing, uh, playing ping pong here, but you work with the entrepreneurs that already have companies. Do you also work with, did you have a chance to work with entrepreneurs before they started a company? 
I, or mostly after they're already in the, the in the mix of business. Usually, usually a great time that I come in is when they're already in the mix of business, and now they're f- figuring out there's some challenges. They've already gone through, you know, the setup process and all of that. Now I have worked with a not a pre-startup, but I have worked with a startup uh, here in Calgary, and you know there was two partners, and and they were really struggling. And so yeah, so I I came in and I you know I said okay, so we added value from every level, which was kind of fun. Yeah. Right? But normally I get brought in when things are already somewhat going, let's say a year or two in business, or some of them have been in business for years and now they're struggling for other reasons. So I want to ask you about uh, mission, vision, purpose. Uh, yes, three words and values. And value. Three or four words that in the last five years we hear about them more and more and more. How important is it and from your experience to have those going in? And the next question is, do most entrepreneurs have them going in or they have them after you join? <laughs> well, I think most of them have a vision. They have some kind of a dream in their head or an idea how they can do something better than maybe what's already out in the marketplace. So I, I, th- I don't know too many entrepreneurs who get into business and say, well, okay, I'm going to get into this because I'm going to make a whole bunch of money. It's not sustainable. Money isn't the reason you're going to be sustained, right? And you've got to have a bigger vision and, and a reason for doing business. So they start with the vision. They don't usually, I mean, I won't say all of them, but they don't usually come and say, okay, here's my mission. We've got this all ironed out and, and our purpose. And No, they have a vision. And then from there they build, right? Is it important? Absolutely. I, I think without that that guiding principle, because you know as an entrepreneur, David, that going can get very rough, right? All of a sudden we have ups and downs in the economy. We have competitors doing things that we can't control. And if we don't really, have nobody strong, told me that. Nobody told you that. Well, they they should have. <laughs> so if we don't have a compelling vision to take us through the tough times, and a purpose for doing it, it's we may not make it. I see. So do you see? So you try to uh, every company that you work with, you try to get to the core of what's the mission, what's the Absolutely. vision, what are the values, and what is the purpose. And how we do it is we create. And I learned this years ago working for a great leader. Is is I, I dig deep with my clients, and we we build the core pillars of their business. What are those three or four pillars? The guiding. The, the, the support, the structure, you know, just imagine you've got a house and there's not at least four corners to that house. It's not going to be, it's not going to stand up. And so if we can find those three or four pillars to keep things standing up, that's where we go. Uh, Kurt, I want to ask you something about mission, vision, purpose, values. Um, I interviewed during the, the last year many organizations, many entrepreneurs from a startup uh, to guys that run over a billion dollar companies. Yeah. Deloitte is a big company. Only in Calgary you have a few hundred employees. And I'm sure that you have your mission, vision, purpose, values. You know them by heart. I'm, I'm not going to no, I'm not going to test you. The question I have is in an organization as big as Deloitte, how do you take the mission, vision, purpose from the wall and bring it to the office? I yeah, that, that's a really good question because really when I look at Deloitte, because we offer so many different service lines. It's not like we're all sitting collectively, like there's many different businesses within Deloitte. And what happens is when you've got these different businesses and and the way the groups are run differently, there's kind of like mini cultures within the overriding culture. But truthfully, uh, what I think it really takes for our, our, our core values that we live and breathe, it's the tone at the top. It's really continuing to come from our leadership teams and and driving what our culture is across all our sort of services because we're 
somewhere between eight and 900 people probably in Calgary alone. <clears throat> and really to try to drive that, our leadership structure in Calgary, it's having every one of us collectively aligned on what that mission, uh, that vision and our mission statements are and living our core values every day. And uh, me being a service line leader here in the tax practice um, in Western Canada, it's really connecting across all our all our offices to make sure that our staff understand what the direction is. We have meetings, we do group activities, we communicate uh, through a variety of mediums uh, to make sure that everybody understands what what our goals are, what our culture looks like, and and that we're all contributing collectively to that. Um, I would say that. I would describe it, it's not an easy thing to do because it, particularly in Alberta with the, the economy in the last couple of years, it takes a lot of effort to try to keep that positive morale, uh, have everybody contributing in that direction. But when you have a collective group and you understand that direction and you have people living and believing in that direction, and then you have your leaders demonstrating that, uh, that's what all makes it come together. So leading by example yeah, is the key. Exactly, I think so. Okay. Gentlemen, we reached our second commercial break. Once again, during our commercial break, open a new tab, www.deloitte.com. Check out the services Deloitte can help you with around the globe. And we will be back following the commercials. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back for the last portion of today's episode of Taking Care of Business with my guest, uh, Kurt Locke, a partner and team leader, tax at Deloitte LLP in Calgary, and Oliver Biesner, founder and owner of Sonic Breakthrough Coaching. So right now, um, I want to chat about um, if we have today here in this empty chair across from us a new entrepreneur, someone who wants to move into the entrepreneurship arena, start his or her hair own business, and let's give that person an advice. So, uh, Oliver, I'll start with you. Um, what are the, I would say, priorities 
or uh, that you can kind of recommend to a new startup, to a new company? Well, I, I always like to say that, you know, if there was a new entrepreneur sitting across from us, David, I'd be saying, first of all, you know, understand that you're going to need probably more capital than you realize. It's going to take you longer than, than you anticipate. You know, everybody thinks they're going to be up and running and things are going to be, they're going to be making money immediately. And we know that's not the fact, right? So that's the first thing. Kurt, why are you laughing? It's <laughs> just a, a good, good statement. <laughs> He's helping your cause. That's right. And then the second, second thing, you know, is, um, you know, understand your marketplace. Is there even a market for what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to start, right? Just because you assume there is in your head doesn't mean the people are going to buy what you want. And so go do some market research. Really go out there, talk to your potential clients. If you can get a hold of some potential competitors, often I'll say, you know, they may not talk to you in the same city, but go to another city. They'll talk to you. Right? I actually did that with, uh, with a client of mine, and she was shocked how much information she got from a competitor. She said, I can't believe they would even talk to me. I said, they don't see you as a competitor. You're in a different marketplace. So those would be the two big things is, you know, make sure you're well capitalized and, and make sure you, you, you go out there and you understand the market before you even go into that market. Make sure there's a business there. Kurt, um, you're here to advise a new entrepreneur. What are the key performance indicators from your perspective that you say, you know, you have to start this today, not two years down the road when you kind of have issues and you're trying to figure yeah. out the issues. Yeah, I, the biggest thing that I come across when I wear my tax hat um, is truly around having a plan. Uh, and, and I'll say tax and accounting. I think having a, a plan structure, getting set up, it's great to talk with your other entrepreneurs, your friends, your buddy, whoever, but seek out what the real advice is. Far too often, it comes down to uh, people said, well, well my, my buddy that owns this company, this is just what he did. Not every situation drives the same end result, um, and it's going in with wise, eyes wide open and really understanding what the consequences are out of various things way easier to plan ahead of time by having a dialogue with somebody about whether it's how to pay yourself or how you get structured or does it make sense to have family members in your holding company and various things like that. These are all things that um, cause problems down the road if you didn't address them right up front. I think entrepreneurs often have a very immediate plan of saying, I'm going to hit the ground running, I'm going to go out and do something and I'm gonna worry about this later. It's way easier to get something structured up front than later. Um, change. I would yes. like kind of to ask about change. Um, you get in into a company, um, both of you. Uh, company is already existing for a few years, it's up and running, and you see that, um, you know, maybe financially they're okay, but you see that change will take them to the next level. Now, how easy, tough, or what are the excuses, or what is the pushback you get from the owners, the entrepreneurs, or maybe it's a full corporation? Mm -hmm. I'm smiling because I know yep. it's not. <laughs> uh, on change. Great question. So, you know, how I like to frame it for the entrepreneurs is my company's called Sonic Coaching. 
you know, when a when a, a jet, fighter jet goes Mach one, there's a sonic boom created. You know, you know this, David. And when that happens, it requires a different aircraft than the Cessna that maybe the pilot learned to fly on to begin with, right? So your business is the same. What got you to a certain level is not going to sustain you and going to take you to that next level. You've got to have better onboard systems. You have to have better people. You have to be more aerodynamic or more streamlined in that business. So how I get them there is we I just ask a lot of questions. So what is the challenge you're dealing with right now, right? What's the impact of that challenge, not only on your business, but sometimes it's on the family life, on your personal health. Right, And when people get into a, a, a situation where they're really thinking about what the pain is that they're going through, now they're willing to change. Because we don't make logical decisions. We think we do as human beings. We make emotional decisions. Then we justify them with logic. So I have to get that person into feeling what it feels like to be in that certain situation. Otherwise, why are they talking to me? Because they're probably in pain of some kind. They're just Maybe they've deluded themselves on how bad it really is. And if, if I help them understand, they'll change. You, you see people kind of uh, willing to change? I do. Yeah, if, if I come in, and, and usually it's it's one of three reasons. It's that, you know, they want better balance in their life, work-life balance. They feel like the business owns them. The second one is around their team. So if they're having struggles, they don't have the right people, or they've got a bunch of people working together, but they don't act as a team. And the third one is maybe they're struggling from a financial or system side. They're willing to change. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kurt, the same question to, to you, and, and, and make sure that uh, I want to explain. Myself. The company is doing okay. It's not losing money. So the financials, you see, I look at the, oh, I made money this year. But you guys as an advisory, as someone that is looking at a bigger picture from financial and, 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 and tax perspective, say, we suggest you'll change. How do you see the cooperation from our side to this advice, or we like to stay, okay, it's working, let's not, you know, rattle the boat. Well, I, I think um, it's really taking the step back and saying, where, where do you want to be? It's always addressing that forward-looking, uh, with the business that I'm involved with, uh, I get to see a variety of organizations in similar sectors. Uh, so I can really start to see trends of what's happening amongst businesses. And it's asking the entrepreneurs, where, where do you see yourself? Not today, this year was good. That, that's looking at the past, but what about next year? What about three years, five years, 10 years? What does that look like? And what are your goals out of that? Because technology and innovation has come in a big way over the last number of years. And organizations, doesn't matter what industry you're in, um, that's an influence and those are disruptors that are creating change or causing organizations to have to create change in order to remain competitive and, and uh, dynamic. So I think really it's looking as an advisor and helping the entrepreneur see where do you need to be, even if you want it to be status quo, I think you need to have change in order to remain where you're at because the industry around us is changing. Um, and I think that's really helping a lot of people see the light, if you will. And I think particularly in Alberta, the economy over the last two years, really, three. or three years even, <laughs> yeah, it's gone quick. Um, it's really forced organizations to have to change in order to remain solvent at one point, right? It's been a real challenge or in order to uh, diversify their business to keep it going forward and say, where do I want to come out of this? I completely agree with with, uh, Kurt David. I mean, if you're not growing, you're dying, 
right? Staying the same is an illusion because your competitors are getting faster, quicker, more efficient. And so even if you're maintaining the status quo, you're really falling behind. Um, We talked about mission, vision, purpose, values. I want to talk about business plan. Okay. Um, And when you go into a company and um, they may or may not have a business plan, um, I'm sure you recommend a business plan or so how often do you recommend or you work with your clients to update change um, up or, or do something with a business plan great question again and yes absolutely need a business plan now when people hear business plans sometimes they cringe we're not talking about that 50 page document that you need for the bank here we're talking about a simple plan you know it can be even as simple as three four pages how are we going to go to market what are we projecting we're going to do in terms of revenues and profitability? What are expenses? You know, we're getting into, you know, some of Kurt's expertise here, right? So, so we, we, that's the first thing. So that's a simplified business plan. How are we doing that? You know, what's the strategy going to be? In fact, I've seen it done as a one-page document, right, which is fantastic because now you can look at it. And then let's review it on a quarterly basis minimum. Right, larger companies, we should be reviewing that on a monthly basis. Are we are we on track? Are we behind track? Because we have time to adjust. If we wait till the end of the year, it's too late. It's over. So you, you you follow it on a monthly basis, or you check it on a monthly basis. But how often do you kind of update or change your? As needed. So if the plan looks like it's completely out to lunch, and you know all of a sudden the bottom fell out in the oil and gas industry three years ago in Calgary, right? Well, you know companies weren't going to hit their business plans. So now now you're in damage control. You need to adjust that immediately. Other companies that are on track, maybe you don't need to change it. Maybe it's it's a good plan and it's going to sustain you for the next year. So, Kurt, as a team leader for TaxWest in Canada, and you mentioned that Deloitte has many kind of subdivisions and divisions. Do you guys have your own business plan for your team? Absolutely. Um, so, so how do you update, follow? Give us the, 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 the gist of it. Well, okay. It's actually quite interesting because our service line leaders, we actually meet every two weeks. Uh, and we are always looking at the past. Like, so we have 13 periods in our fiscal year. And we set out our business plan by period, like for our organization. <clears throat> and our service line leaders meet actually every two weeks to, as Oliver said, to redirect, re-steer, uh, to make sure that we're going in the directions that we want. We look at the previous two weeks, we make adjustments going forward. Sometimes it's short term, it's saying, what do we gotta do for the next two weeks? But as things have drastically changed, we're redirecting our plan for the next number of months. Um, and that's in order to steer the course. Uh, I think a lot of effort is put into maintaining and directing our business plans. And again, like everything, we set a business plan for the coming year, but you need to adjust along the way. You can't execute on that solely. You need to look at what are the trends, what are the results, what are we facing, what are the challenges, uh, and it's not in your control, so you gotta re- redirect and re-steer uh, to maintain the course. Oliver, what keeps you awake at night? What keeps me awake at night? That's usually the question I ask everybody, David. I know. What keeps me awake at night, you know, is really when I'm working with a client and we're struggling to, to, to you know, together to move that needle, to, to steer that ship in a new direction, and things are not going as quickly maybe as, as we had anticipated, that keeps me up at night, right? Because I truly care about my, my client's success. And that keeps me up. 
and I've lost sleep over it, right? Thinking about, okay, what can we do differently? What's that strategy? What, what's, what are we missing, right? That's what keeps me up at night. As a team leader, Kurt, what keeps you up at night? Well, that, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, in my role as uh, one of the service line leaders, I think it's providing the right opportunities for developing our staff. Uh, making sure that we're providing opportunities for our, our staff, our teams, to have broad experiences, shared learning, uh, future growth opportunities in the organization to really continue to allow them to have a career in our uh, world. I think that I love the people side of our business, um, that that is the foundation of what we're doing. We provide these services, but it's all the people that make Deloitte what it is, and it's making sure that they get the right experiences that I felt that I had, and being sure that uh, I'm able to provide that to the next generation. I think that's, um, it's important to me and all my partners, but moving forward because the economy changes, the work changes, <laughs> uh, we're, we're always trying to drive that, but I think it's giving everybody those opportunities. Uh, we have about three minutes before we have to wrap up, so I'll have a few quick questions for both of you. Uh, Kurt, I'll start with you. Um, so, remember the guy was, or the lady that was yeah. sitting in that empty chair, the new entrepreneur? What is the advice, one or two pieces of advice you'll give a new, a new entrepreneur? I, I think push, follow your dream. Just keep pushing. It's a tremendous amount of work, uh, but rely on people around you to help support you during that. You know what you're good at and use the people around you to take away some of the pressures of the things that you're not as good at and uh, allow them to help you. Oliver, same question for you. Uh, my favorite question with everybody I talk to, David, is this. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing right now in your business, what would it be? Right? Because you hold the wand what would it be? And I get different answers from different entrepreneurs. And then we talk about, okay, then how quickly can we execute on that? And let's see if we can make that happen. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, any regrets along the way? Any regrets for me or for my clients? <laughs> you know, I, I let's start with I, you. I, I don't live, you know, I don't live in regret. I mean, do we have things we reflect on, on and that we could have done differently or better? Absolutely. Right. I could have spent more time possibly when I was in airplanes with my family when my kids were little. But, you know, do I regret it? No, because, you know, I was also providing a, a safe and, and, a, and an environment for them where they could thrive. You know, so, yes. You know, we look back and we think we could do things better. Do we regret it? Hopefully not, right? Because if we learn from it, we move forward. Kurt, what you ha what have you learned about yourself through this journey from U of A through a junior accountant to today as a team leader and partner at Deloitte? Uh, Self-awareness. Uh, be open to feedback. Um, I, I think I've learned a lot about myself and, and to grow, but I need to listen to what the people around me also say because being a leader and being a partner is not always easy, uh, but I need to continually grow and, and evolve as well. It's not always my way. So I think uh, self-awareness is the biggest thing that I always need to reflect on. Oliver, the last word. What have you learned about yourself in this journey? And you have about 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Okay, <laughs> so very quickly, what I've learned is, you know, I've moved, made the move from corporate to entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship really shows you what you're made of. It shows you what you can push through, what the challenges are, and how to keep going. And I can tell you that it's been a dramatic journey. I love it. And I, you know, if talk about regrets, I wish I would have done it sooner. <laughs>
Perfect. We got you to say the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, Oliver, Kurt, thank you so much. We reached the end of today's uh, episode of Taking Care of Business. I really appreciate uh, you sharing uh, your experience and maybe your frustrations working with us, the entrepreneurs. Hopefully, it will change uh, with your help. Uh, next week, we'll have a new entrepreneur guest sharing experiences as an entrepreneur and the road to success. I would love to hear back your feedback as well as guest suggestions. Email me at dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook and connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Cassandra, our PR coordinator, and our loyal uh, early riser, Aaron Engineer in uh, sunny Phoenix. We'll meet you here at www.voiceamerica.com slash variety next Tuesday, April 10th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.